Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untether.tv. This is your single source for deciphering the mobile experience. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge. Today's episode is all about retail. Better yet, it's all about the thing that I hate the most about retail, which is lining up and paying at a cash register. We're talking to Wendy McKinnon-Keith, who is the founder of a newly launched payment app called SelfPay. She's based here in Toronto, Canada. That's Canada. And the focus of what we're going to be talking about, of course, is about her business, about why she did it, uh, the opportunities that she sees, how she's going to protect herself. But she also did this great thing at another Canadian company, an Edmonton-based company called Lux Beauty, uh, to actually launch and roll out this product with in-aisle purchasing. We're going to talk extensively about the results of that and the lessons that she's learned there. Without further ado, my fellow Canadian. Hello, Wendy. Welcome to hey. TV. Hey, Rob. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you for doing this. I love I love showcasing Canadian companies. Happy to be here. Well, doing amazing technology in the retail space. And uh, for those of you who actually subscribe to my other podcast, which is the Mobile Commerce Minute with Chuck Martin, and I don't understand why you wouldn't. Chuck also covered Wendy a couple of weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, but now probably if you're listening to this, uh, around this Lux Beauty um, rollout. And he was actually surprised, I think, that there's this much innovation in Canada. And nice. I said, Chuck, you got to... Come up and see. We are an innovative nation. We are. All right. So tell us, what does self-pay do? Well, in a nutshell, self-pay is a way for shoppers to seamlessly uh, shop and pay in one flow, all on their mobile device, in their favorite retail store. Uh, that's really it. And to make it work for merchants, we have a companion merchant app called Verify, so that after you've shopped and paid in the aisle, you show your digital receipt as you leave the store or the aisle or the fitting room, and the merchant just quickly scans your digital receipt, shows the same transaction details on their screen, and you are good to go. So walk us through. So I, I walk into a store, and uh, I'm interested in a product. I buy a pair of jeans or whatever. I'm in, I'm, I say I, I am. I'm in the changing room. I'm, I'm uh, trying it on, and I say yeah. I'm going to buy these. What, what, what does the consumer do? Well, you just would pick up the barcoded tag, the price tag on the jeans. Yep. You would, uh, you have your self-pay app open. Uh, you would scan the uh, barcode, and that's going to show you the price and the details and all the information. You're ready to buy, so you just uh, select add it to your cart, and then you're added it to your digital cart, and then you can choose how you want to pay. Today, we work with the multiple different payment methods, so you could choose your Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, and just recently, we added an integration with PayPal. So if you'd prefer to do that, that's also available. And then just say, check out, and you'll get a digital receipt within literally one or two seconds. And that receipt, you just show it to a member of staff as you're leaving the store. Amazing. And it's that simple. It is that simple. That's really the beauty. No human intervention, right? That's, that's what I love about it. And that's what's really different about it, because we were the whole beginning part of this process, we thought about the shopper experience. You know, there's this, this is a really retail, digital, you know, payments, it's a very complicated ecosystem. Yes, it is. There are so many different players and so many different functions. And so we wanted to think about it rather than think about it from any one individual function. We wanted to think about the experience that the shopper has and how to make that as smooth and actually friction free as possible to let them actually go about shopping 
and uh, forget about, well, you have to pay, but, you know, make that as simple and friction-free as possible. You know, it's funny because most most places where you go, the retailers, any retailers, whether it's a clothing, clothing uh, store or a beauty store or a grocery store, they are all constructed with the uh, with the store in mind, not the consumer, right? The flow, the way that you start, and the way that the human turns to the right when they walk into a grocery store. Uh, you know, the impulse buys at the cash register, uh, and and what what you seem to be doing here is turning that entirely on its head. Exactly, and you know, there's some historical reasons for that. I mean, if you go way back to the original kind of the independent shopkeeper, there's one person in the very beginning. The items were probably even behind that person, yeah. right? So there is you had this. And certainly today, that still continues with the distinction between shopping activities and paying activities. Right. But I'm actually, we're, it's when we go shopping, we want the thing, the item, the nail polish, the jeans, the jacket, the you know, the the Fruit Loops, whatever, whatever that thing is. That's what we're there for, and maybe discover new things, new items. But why have this separate? Why have this false separation? I mean, we don't have it in an e-commerce transaction. I mean, wouldn't that be funny? If you went to a website, you go sign on and you buy your items, then you'd have to stop that, close that, and open up some new page, and then you're going to go through your, that. Why would that doesn't make any sense at all? You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. But that's that's what the way that it's been, and it seems like we've accepted this this uh, kind of pol this split between shopping and paying. But yeah. the other side of it is that I mean, I don't go to the grocery store to pay. Right, and I think that you know what we're seeing a lot in the mobile space right now is is this focus on payments. I know. Not the focus on the experience or the focus on shopping, but it's more like, hey, you know, use my payment tool, use my payment tool, and and uh, in a, in the most inconvenient way possible. But I always say, like, I don't go to Amazon.com to pay. I go no, to shop. That's, you are so right. I mean, and we're not called payers. <laughs> we're called shoppers. That's so great. It's that's true. Just, I mean, it's really again, it's. It's so simple. We're shoppers and we're there to shop. We're not there to pay. Obviously, we have to pay. And it's so, it is so interesting. But again, I think a lot of it is just historical. You have all of these companies set up. There are merchants. And then there's the whole payment ecosystem. And even some of the, uh, the leaders in mobile payments who are, you know, huge multinational global companies who are spending every waking minute thinking about how to get you to pay with your mobile phone. You know, my supposition is they kind of forgot that you're actually there to shop. So we need to bundle the paying into it, not separate it. And all, even in, in Canada, where we have actually quite a few new mobile payment methods, very cool, love the effort, it just keeps building the, the not recognition, the knowledge, the awareness. But if you think about it, even with all the new payment apps, what do you need to do? You go to the store. You get your item or you order your drink or whatever it is. You still have to stand in line. Mm -hmm. You still have to wait to pay. And then you can tap your phone on the register. Well, yes. that's fantastic. So, Who did you save time for? So satisfying. You, you or the person behind you. Right. They didn't have to swipe anything. They didn't have to wait for your pin. You're well, right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's sort of the wrong, in, in, my, in our view, it's, it's kind of the wrong focus. You know, I, I love that because putting the user in front, uh, you know, you very quickly realize that uh, who the payment tech is for, and it's not for the end consumer. It just isn't. It isn't for the, for the user. And I think that payment happens as the result of the 900 other things that you've done right to that point. And then payment is the after effect of doing everything else right. I got the jeans that I want. I've tried them on. The payment happens because I found the product that I want, not the other way around. 
Exactly. And, and even if you think it, if you're a merchant, why would you want to introduce time, space, uh, just waiting, some other process in between your decision that you want those genes, those are the best genes? You don't want any time no. in between or activities. It's just no, and that I'm done. I want I want to uh, be on my way. Yeah. We're all so busy. That's so true. Yeah, you don't want the humans to think. You just don't. <laughs> you just want them to pay. Right? That's it, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, putting it a little a little uh, differently, I would say you want them to have that fantastic experience of those genes. Right. Exactly. Right. That's, exactly. That, that's where you're going to get delighted, not the payment part. No. And I think that that's, you know, at that moment, and I use this as a great example, is that, um, you, you know, my father I was very young. My father was going out to buy his first ever brand new car, right? Every, every, my whole life we've had used cars. And we went to the Acura uh, dealership, right? And so we took this test drive in this, what I thought, I mean, maybe I was 14. It was the most amazing sports car. It was beautiful. It went fast. It was low. It had cool lights. And my dad said, yeah, this is the one. So he walked in, you know, they sat down at the, uh, at the, um, at the desk and, uh, my dad forgot his, his checkbook mm. in his car. <laughs> so all he had to do was leave the desk and right. get up and go and get the checkbook in his car and then come back and then and then put the check because that's when people paid by check. Um, so he was at that moment where he had the best experience and he was willing to put down money. And in, I, I don't know, in that like four minutes it took for him to go to the car, pick up his checkbook and come back, he changed his mind. He wow. said, come on, Rob, we're going. I'm like, what, 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 what? <laughs> wow. So, you know, that's the convenience of pay, right? And, and that's what I mean. When I say you don't want humans to think, you like that's what I mean is that when they've made up their mind, yes. they've had the great experience, it's time to pay. Exactly. So, are these the reasons why you started this company? Like, you noticed that there was a gap in this marketplace? Well, my, my background is a management consultant. And so, I worked for a number of different large uh, technology companies. I was advising them on um, market channels, growth strategies, and so on. And um, I realized that a couple of times before, I'd seen some really significant discontinuities in markets. So I thought, well, rather than advising like the third time around, wait a second. I can see this. Uh, you know, I love to shop. I hate to wait. I'm just going to solve this problem for myself. I'm just going to make my own big company that's, you know, that I don't need to be advising anymore. I'm just going to start creating. So, and it's, it's been a great journey. So you, you literally, you stopped doing consulting. You, you're in this full time. You, how was that transition? Uh, very uh, sharp. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> yes. I don't know how else to explain it. It's a good way it's, to describe it's, it. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's significant. But I have to say, I mean, as much as I, I loved my consulting career and I, and I did it all in different parts of the world, a lot of it was in the U.S. I spent 20 years in the U.S. And, um, and for very large companies, it was very exciting. But when you start to do something for yourself where you see like a real pain and a real uh, issue in the market that you can, you've seen how it can be solved and then you start working on it, it's not work. It's just, it's what I do. Uh, I, I just, uh, it's, I'm absolutely committed to making this a better, a better way to shop and pay. And it's, it's been exciting. When did you, when did you start? When, like, when did you have this idea that this was going to be something that was going to be so important to retail? Well, it has been some time. So I actually, it started with uh, some early ideas in very late 2011. And uh, again, being a good consultant, I could not stop myself from doing some primary research and some background. And so uh, one of the first things I did is I, I took a trip to Boston because at that time in the U.S. there was more of these kind of mobile shopping apps, mobile payment apps and so on. 
And in fact, Apple was one of the first uh, places I visited in Boston. And I, they have it, and they still have it today. The Easy Pay mm-hmm. app was part of the Apple Store app. You can go in and pick an accessory off the shelf. You can pay on your phone, charge it to your iTunes account, and walk out the door. You do not have to speak to any uh, of the Apple associates in the store. And I thought, well, this is fantastic. But this is not going to work for, I didn't think, for most other merchants. Because A, uh, it only worked for Apple, so obviously that's one issue. B, uh, you can only charge it to your iTunes account, which, of course, that may still come down the road, but at the moment, you can't do that in other, in other retail stores. Um, you could only do one item at a time, and there was no way to verify uh, that that transaction was a successful transaction. So there's a lot of trust. Also, in an Apple store, it's quite different, as you, I'm sure you know, the ratio of employees to the floor space is really high, and mm. that's just not sustainable for any other merchant. They don't have those kind of margins to be able to uh, justify that. So I really that's literally when I thought of the idea of we need to have a way to have all merchants, uh, all payment methods, um, multiple items, and a way for that merchant to verify that the transaction was successfully done on the consumer's device. Uh, so so that's the inspiration that led that you down was, this path. Yes, yes, that's right. But speaking about those guys, I mean, Apple, I mean, iTunes, you know, could become one of the world's largest closed uh, system, closed commerce system, like like PayPal is. Right. Um, but they're and and they're kind of emerging in the beacon market with iBeacon yeah. and PayPal's doing the same thing with their beacon technology. And all of these yeah. guys are starting to get into this space and looking very, very, very clearly in the space. Uh, how do you, a small company from Toronto, Canada, um, how do you compete in this world? How do you, how do you protect well, yourself? Inter- well, a couple of points on that. So first, uh, the first point I want to say is interestingly, our our whole model. Besides starting with the consumer and understanding the shopper path, it's also creating a system that's very open. So we're already working with PayPal to enable right. you can pay with PayPal within the phone. And we actually um, are talking with some of the other mobile payment companies as well. So that we're agnostic. So if you want to, if you know, down the road, if you want to pay with Google Wallet or with ISIS or with RBC or with, I mean, any other mobile payment method out there. Our idea is that we want to make that possible so you can choose and actually the consumer should choose which payment method they want. Obviously that has to be also the same method that the retailers are offering and so on but we're totally open. We want to have an open platform in that way. So we actually be, we're just, we're distribution for all those mobile payment methods. And then you asked also about how you protect this kind of technology. Well. In those early days, I when I had that sort of that aha, like the light bulb went off of we need to have this way to verify these transactions in the aisle, I realized that it was actually pretty kind of low tech. Like I, I'm not an engineer. I'm a business person. I'm like you know I'm a consultant in my background. I, and I thought this is actually kind of a low tech solution, but it's elegant and it's simple and it's I, I really felt it was going to work. So actually, I hired a law firm in. Uh, Chicago, where I lived before I moved back to Toronto, uh, Mayor Brown, and they helped me apply for my patent application, which I was, and in fact, I hired them in December of 2011, and just last uh, couple of weeks ago in May, I received and I was awarded that patent uh, in the U.S., which I can then apply in other parts of the world. So, so what is the patent for? The patent, it's a utility patent, mm-hmm. and uh, it covers, it really, there's two parts in kind of general terms. 
Uh, the two parts are one, it's the idea of combining shopping and paying together on a consumer's device, mm -hmm. together with the ability for the merchant to easily verify that that transaction was already successfully completed on the on the consumer's device. Wow. Wow. Which, which, you know, describes very many technologies that I've seen out there in the marketplace, obviously. And, and, and it, and it, and I think it, it adheres to early on in our conversation that the philosophy behind what you're doing with self-pay, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's very interesting that you thought at that moment that you should patent this, that you mm -hmm. should go through that process. Obviously, you don't regret that. Is that something that you got advice to do? Or was that just an instinct inside that said, this is going to be big? And even if it's not, it's worth the, worth the risk to do this? Yeah, again, I mean, in a way, because because I'm actually not a, like a real serious techie myself, and I felt like this was such an elegant... So a lot of times, actually, the, the really the great solutions are simple. Yes. But because of that, it's, it's, it would, I, I realized it would be actually pretty easy to duplicate. So I wanted to protect it. And I did get the advice, obviously, of my, um, my you know, the, the patent lawyers that I hired, if they thought this was uh, a reasonable idea. And, and we obviously did all of our research on the, you know, the making sure no one else... I also wanted to make sure that, actually, I wasn't going to invest all this time and effort. But, well, there's already like 72 companies doing this. So, you know, we did our homework, too. And, and you didn't find any back then? No. That's amazing. And, and so what would you, how many do you think are out there now in, in the similar space? And I'm not saying that they're infringing on your patent now, but, but how many in those three years that you've been looking at this space and, and diving into the space and that patent has kind of been brewing? Um, how many companies do you look at now and think, is it dozens? Is it hundreds? Is it a, a couple? I mean, if I, I would, it would be a guess, but I would say it has to be dozens yeah. because I think these ideas are becoming more mainstream and the, you know, there's just more, I mean, Apple certainly has its own notoriety, obviously, in the market and mm -hmm. a lot of people write about, and there's been more writing recently just because, you know, will, when, uh, will, uh, will Apple have NFC? Uh, will Apple be able to extend the iTunes uh, account mobile payment? There's lots of, so this starts stirring up more ideas and more people thinking about it. And obviously this is, you know, commerce and being able to uh, shop and pay on your phone. The, the general idea of it, there's lots of huge companies, again, PayPal being one, Google being another, Apple being a third. So these are, these are you know, these are the titans of, uh, of, of industry and it's, it is kind of interesting that you know this little company in, uh, in Toronto we just looked at it differently um, and uh, have extended beyond what how they've been thinking about it but you for sure like in, when you go through that patent process in the last stage of it you get to see a number of other applications that are out there um, and all the others were by very very large global companies and uh, it was mine that was accepted. So, yay. <laughs> so you see that little scrappy companies from Canada can win. You never know. Oh, see, and that's, you know, I always talk about that because, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're uh, applying for a patent, uh, one of the key things that you do is to protect it, right? So if you believe that your idea is something that you should be able to protect, like you said, like this is, this is not going to be a difficult thing to emulate in a couple of years. And you're right, it's right now, it's, it's not that difficult a thing, but you protect it. Um, and I always say like, you know, now that you protected it, uh, you know, there's two ways to, to use that patent. One is to, is to uh, continue 
to protect your idea, which means that you have to go and put a lot of money into finding any people who are out there infringing, or it's peace of mind, it's intellectual property, it's capital inside your companies. Should anybody decide to acquire you, there's right. value to that, and they can go and fight uh, the the big fight. Um, I, you know, we're Canadian; we're not litigious by nature. Um, oh, that's right. So, I mean, I'm going to assume that this is something that that you now you're building your little wall around your company that says, "Listen, this is this is our business, and if you step over the wall." We'll fight, but as long as you're you're out there doing your thing, um, this is really just building IP. Right. Am I That's putting right. words well, in your mouth? No, I would say I would just say that, or we don't want it. Like, you don't have to fight. We can license the technology. Right, right. That's another way to do it because, in fact, I am small, uh, and we actually are fielding uh, incoming interest from different companies of different sizes. Love it. You know, small merchants, large merchants, and they're not only in Canada and the U.S. I mean, I have. I'm talking with some merchants that are based in uh, the UK, that are based in Dubai, certainly the US and certainly Canada. Uh, and there's and there's multiple uses for the technology too. So that's also something that we're quite uh, that we're quite open to. Or you know, for the larger retailers that we're talking with, we're talking uh, about potentially white labeling the solution for them. That's another option that we're quite open to as well. Do you, do you uh, just out of curiosity, I know we've totally gone down this different different path here, but I'm, I'm so fascinated by by this patent thing because all of a sudden it's like, yes, I've got it. And and do you kind of, you, you maybe know a dozen companies and do you say, hey, lawyer, just send them a note saying that we've been awarded this patent. And, and do, you, do you, is there like a notification period, you know, like when you're getting married? That right. To, you know what I mean? Well, I, I will say that I'm at least conscious of it. You know, yeah. so for instance, it's something that we'll add it to our website. We yes. will... When we're having, uh, especially, because a lot of the companies that we're partnering with, that we're dealing with, are, some of them are very large uh, and much, you know, better funded than than ourselves. So we'll certainly make sure that it's, you know, that Known. it's mentioned. Yes. And certainly, just just if nothing else, just our, you know, our own. We are, it, you know, I, Canadians try not to be boastful, but it is something that we're proud of. Do it. You can. It's okay. We can be anti-Canadian for a little, not ant against Canadians, but we no, can no. be, you know, against the the way that Canadians are perceived. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. Damn straight. Well, part of part of this whole thing was that uh, you you know what what drew uh, the uh, you guys to me was this whole uh, Lux Beauty uh, uh, company in Edmonton that did this. I guess it was for an anniversary. Can you walk through this whole use case around what they did and how it turned out? Yeah, absolutely. So just in the beginning, I've known uh, Jennifer Grimm, who's the owner of Lux, for for actually since, I guess, early 2012. So she was like the longest, most loyal uh, patient, uh, first client anyone could ever have. How did you meet? Like, so did, did she find you? Did you find her? Because you're, you're, you're in Chicago at that point. She's in Edmonton, Alberta. Like, how does yeah, that so happen? We met in, so we met in New York, of course. Of right? course. Where, where else would you meet? But we were, that was the first year that I went to the, the NRF, the National Retail Federation. Definitely. I just yeah. went as an attendee. Yeah. And I was in, that was, was my fact-finding stage and kind of building the concept out and so on. And literally, it was serendipity. I just happened to sit at a table. And this, that particular speaker wasn't as engaging as we were hoping. And so Jen and I just started talking. And, uh, you know, the rest was, was history. And then uh, literally a couple of years later, we launched uh, Self-Pay at Lux Beauty in, uh, in December of right. 2013. But I can tell you what's interesting um, is already since that time, we've, we've just uploaded our fourth 
version. So that's, you know, that's not that. It's almost a version a month. So mm-hmm. there's been lots of learning. But the the big event that happened recently was in was in April, and that was her 14th anniversary event. So she's been in business 14 years, every year. She has this big uh, event, so it draws a lot of people. Therefore, it's going to draw a lot of lines. And she knows this in advance. So she really wanted to promote self-pay for her customers to get them out of the line quickly, but obviously also, you know, to her own benefit too, um, because it helped actually, you know, we, in retailers talk a lot about inventory turns and how fast is an individual item turning and they kind of want to track that. But in her case, she's sort of thinking about shopper turns because she has a smaller store, uh, just about 700 square feet. So her ability to turn her customers in and out of her store more quickly is going to result in higher total sales, even if everybody didn't use you know, self-pay. It just it freed up the rest of the store for those people that did. Um, and on that day, it was in April, Saturday in April, I guess it was the 12th, um, 8% of her total in-store transactions went through the self-pay platform. It's amazing. And it was launched that day. Well, it was launched in December. Yeah, but but so. for her for her patrons, did they because I mean, what what I read was that people would walk in and they said like you can wait in line or you could download this app and pay. That's right. And that's what she was promoting that day. So we had 78% of the people who downloaded self-pay for that event, they downloaded it the same day. Okay. And then and 8% I, used and it. And then 8% of the total volume Yes, exactly. The total transactions used it. But again, those are huge numbers. Yeah. It's uh, again, I'm not. I you know, I can't compare completely to a company like Starbucks, which of course their mobile payment app is a very you know, it's written about a lot, and they talk about well, they they've reached ten percent of their transactions going through the mobile payment platform, and that's they're, they're on every platform. They're you know, obviously it's it, they're, and they've been doing it about, for two years. Well, right? that's right. Yeah. And but of course they're talking about a lot more volume yeah. and a lot more stores clearly. So th- these are, you know, what I'm talking about it's it's a small far smaller sample size, but it certainly gives you the idea that when customers actually are sitting there looking at a line and someone tells them, "Well, you don't have to stand in the line. Download self-pay like two minutes and you are out of here." And people did. So cuz there's also a lot of writing as I'm sure you read the same as I People are saying, you know, they're wringing their hands. Why aren't mobile payments taking off? And everyone thought it would happen faster. And, um, you know, what's really going to be the incentive? Well, we just need coupons and loyalty. If we would just add coupons and loyalty to mobile payments, that's going to be the answer. And I think that those things are great, and those things certainly will help and improve the value proposition. But we just feel like getting the customer out of the line is much larger proportionally uh, to those things, and and then that's just evidenced by the numbers. So you know, you see a, a real, real tangible problem, and then someone says, "Here's a quick solution, and it's free. You can do it right now." Well, people do it, and then you know, even better than all of that was that the shoppers who did use self-pay spent 17 percent more per transaction than actually the nearest highest kind of transaction, which is like the plastic credit card after you waited in line to pay. What? So uh, 17%, what explains that? Well, if you think about it like this, so let's say you, know, you and I, if you go, you are going to go shopping and you probably have in your mind that you want to buy that one thing. You, you may even have researched it beforehand. A lot of the studies are saying that that's, mm-hmm. that's actually the path. So you, you have sort of an idea and a destination in mind. And so in my case, maybe it's um, 
a certain, you know, the new shade of nail polish. So I'm going to go to Lux. And, uh, and then I get there and I'm going to go to find that item. And if I'm having to stand in line, I'll get the item and I'll go directly to the line because we're kind of conditioned to do that. That's, that's what we do. We get our item and we go to the line. And then it's just human behavior, natural human behavior. You stand in the line. And even if you think to yourself, oh, wait a second, I think I need the eye cream as well. Or you, you look over the corner of your eye while you're waiting to pay and you see, oh, there's another color. Oh, that looks nice too. Well, what do you do? You, you, you know, like anybody else, you're going to like look at how much longer you have to wait in line, how many people are behind you in line, how much time you've already committed to that line. And you know, even if you've committed like one minute to the line, it's like sunk cost, but no one wants to re-wait in that line. So you're like, eh, you know what, forget it. I've just, I'll just get this one thing I came to get and never mind the others. Whereas in the case of self-pay, there is no line. So bring it all in. (laughs) So you could just keep shopping. So you shop and you, you know what, it's funny. Like you may actually spend more time in the store because you are deciding how much time you want to stay, stay in the store not the merchant. They're not forcing you to stay because of their line. Right. Right? Think it's again, it's the psychology is different. So it's productive in-store time as opposed to like lost in-store time. Yes, exactly. And then you feel good about it cuz you decided. People don't like having things decided for them. That's just our human condition. So you saw the first item and then you think of the other item you want, you go get the cream and you're like, oh, look, there's a really, there, oh, yeah, there's a three set. Oh, that's fantastic. And then when you're done, you're done. Obviously, you need to self-regulate, but. Yes, exactly. You got to yeah. control the brain, but. That's right. But when you're done, you're done and you've decided you've got those things that you wanted and, uh, and off you go. You know, the thing I love about Amazon's strategy, right? Whether you're a retailer or not, you have to look at this company and say, listen, uh, you know, there's differentiation that you do that brings retailers or customers into your store, right? So uh, taking all that stuff aside, but what I love about Amazon is that they don't focus on the payments. Like we talked about it in the early days. They focus on getting things in your cart, right? right? All their technology, everything that they do from one click down to, you know, unique devices, all they're trying to do is get things in the cart, because mm-hmm. that's the hurdle. And it sounds like that's what Jennifer was doing here at Lux was that uh, we just get it in the cart and then we'll, we, payment will happen. That's is, right. is that fair to say? That is fair. What, and, go ahead. And I'll just say, and, and you know, if you would ask Jen, you know, she would say on that, especially on that really the super busy day or anniversary day, going back to this idea of the shopper turns. Yep. Because 8% of her transactions went through self-pay. So those people flowed through the store much more quickly you know this is not me saying this Jen mm-hmm. would say that she credits her total year-on-year sales on that comparing the busy day this year to last year that they were higher by between 20 and 25 percent wow which is wow. really it's, it's, yeah the, well, I know that music to any retailers ears yes. right and those are really those are huge numbers uh, and she feels it's because she just made more space in the store everybody was happier even the staff was happier because there was less stress there was less waiting it just people flowed through much more quickly it was just all around a better experience what what makes jen so great do you know what i mean like when you're sitting with her in in new york at nrf and and um and you're having these conversations flash forward two years and she you know uses this technology um why her what kind of person is is she to to 
I don't know, take these risks, yes. even though it's a, it's, it's a, a, you know, a formed relationship with you, but why her? Why is she so special? Why did she get well, this? It, do you know what? She is special and she's, she's very open-minded. She's very creative and uh, she's actually, her goal is to, she actually, I think her tagline is you're going to be happier when you leave her store. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, I love it. Like, what a great way to be, right? And again, she's thinking about, she, that's maybe the different, that's a key point there. She's thinking about her shoppers mm. and she's thinking about, she wants to make them happy because if she makes them happy, they'll come back. They have a good experience. And you know, in small retail, there's a high churn rate. A lot of retailers, you know, don't make it. Right. Uh, and she was celebrating her 14th year. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, As an independent retailer? Yes. In Edmonton, Alberta? It, yeah. Called Lux Beauty? Yes. I, you know what? I, I, I mean, if you know Alberta at all, and maybe you do or you don't, it's like it's like an extension of the United States because it's basically oil. Yes. Right? It's a, an industrial province. So yeah, fourteen years as a beauty store in inside of inside of uh, inside of Edmonton, but you know the reason I ask about Jen is because, you know, uh, it takes a certain specific type of person, uh, and to create a unique experience inside of their retail environment to be able to get people to come back and and enjoy the experience enough so that they can be in business for fourteen years, but then at the same time not hold on to all the things that you've done over those fourteen years, but to be able to think outside and like rethink how you actually interact with your customers. So yeah. that's amazing, really. It is, and it's really kudos to her. And I mean, just recently, she actually launched a Shopify online web store, which is like, now, so should think of it. So Lux, this little, again, she's a small retailer, but she has, uh, you can shop and pay at her, you know, at her front till using her fantastic Vend, you know, cloud-based POS. Yep. You can shop online with Shopify, and you can shop in the Isle of Self-Pay. I just, I, you know, that's what I love about small retailers. And Shopify, by the way, is an Ottawa, Canada mm. startup, just just so that there's- uh, yeah, yeah, just just a little bigger than me. But you know, I'm just saying that there's a lot of innovation happening in Canada, and yes. there's a lot of open-minded yes. people in Canada. So, yes, absolutely. Well, uh, so now for, for your business here, is that, what's your take on this? How do you generate income from what you're doing for companies like Jen or for, uh, for people like Jen and Lux? Right. So what we have now, we have a, a monthly subscription fee for the small and medium-sized merchants. So uh, it's, you know, it's just a flat fee. We don't charge anything on the individual transactions. It's just we leave that to the, uh, the payment people. That's their, that's their game. And it's very easy to get on board. So we have already integrated to four different uh, POS systems. Mm -hmm. So one of them is, is Lightspeed out of Montreal, right. Shopify out of Ottawa. Yes. Uh, Vend HQ uh, out of Auckland, New Zealand, um, and Beanstream out of Victoria, BC, which is part of Digital River, which is a U.S. company. Three out of four Canadian companies there. I like that. Yes, I yes, like that. yes, yes. So it's very cool. And they, you know, together they represent, I think, a, probably somewhere around maybe 130 or more thousand uh, individual merchants in 100 countries. So it's very quickly um, becoming, even for our small company, we're also, we're mirroring them because we're starting to get, as I said, this interest from retailers in all kinds of different parts of the world. Are they helping you? Are, are they helping you market? Uh, do they help you create awareness? Uh, marketing on a shoestring is difficult, but yes. was that part of the strategy to to hook up with these guys, yes. support them, and then hopefully they'll help market you? 
That's right. Well, one of the things um, that um, several of these POS companies have is they have their own, obviously they have their own website, they're promoting their own products, which obviously makes sense, but they also, all of them um, are starting to have app stores, mm -hmm. and, you know, which again, that's, we, you know, credit back to Apple um, with the original app store, but now all these POS companies have app stores. And if you think about it, so if you, if you are a merchant uh, and you sign on to one of these cloud-based POS companies, and so now the models change. You know, it used to be flat fee, server-based, uh, you know, you'd like one upfront fee, and right. then you have that sort of solution for four or five years or something. But nowadays, most retailers want to move to cloud-based POS, get their data in the cloud. It's much more flexible. They can access it from anywhere. Plus, it can connect to all these really cool third-party apps like Zelfay. Um, and others, um, so that's obviously a great a great opportunity. But it also makes those um, merchants it's easier to switch, right. so you can switch between more easily. So one of the things that helps some of the the cloud based POS companies is that if you have if you're going to be able to offer a much wider array of services on top of your core great platform, then then that merchant's going to be happier and they're going to be less likely to, uh, to want to switch because they're going to get all their needs met. And so, for example, now, like, the first uh, POS company that we integrated with was Vend, and they're the New Zealand-based uh, one. So they, have, they feature us on their website in the uh, resources and add-ons. And so actually a couple of those international retailers that have contacted us directly, they found us on the Vend website. I love that. But that's what you need to do. Those partnerships are so critical, right? And, yeah. and uh, you, you know, guys like Shopify and, and Vend, um, and they're, they, they're out there hustling mm -hmm. on, the behalf, uh, on behalf of you guys, right? So if, if they build out their ecosystem, you guys will benefit from that ecosystem. Building. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. And then that's for the small and medium-sized merchant, which is where we've started, right. and where obviously we have something in the market. Uh, but we're also in conversation with some of the largest specialty retailers in North America. Well, but I mean, how do you how do you find them or how do they find you? I'm very interested in this. So you found Jen by happenstance, right? Uh, yes. You know, you didn't know that that relationship would lead to this, right? You no, just no. sat next to her. Right. Um, and and, uh, and, it, and it did because you can create relationships that way and, and they and they grow. Right. But when we're talking about faceless, you know, nameless, big corp, large companies, you know, the panacea for a lot of people that this is this is their goal to sell into those. How, how is it that that you have have breached the, uh, you know, the walls or the moat of some of these big companies? Well, it's really been in two different ways. So the, the first way um, is just by trying to put my company out there. So I have, you know, I have a Twitter profile. It's at Digital Retail. Um, uh, everything on there that I talk about is has everything to do with retail, digital, commerce, innovation, and it's not just limited to self-pay right. or to you know to my system. I think it's important to just kind of advance um, advance the knowledge uh, out there. And I also I'm 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 invited to speak at different conferences. So I spoke last year at the Card Not Present conference in Orlando, and in fact that's where we won the best mobile solution uh, last year, which was great. And I've I was invited by Retail Council of Canada to speak at the Retail West conference. That's where I met some large uh, merchants uh, during that speaking engagement. I've spoken at South by Southwest, and you know, kind of. Uh, there you go. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. And then the other part is just through, you know, really telling little like networking, 
going to the conferences, having booths at conferences. We were at NRF. We were at Money 2020, uh, another big sort of fintech. We, we were selected um, as one of uh, 15 out of 300 companies uh, who applied to this SWIFT uh, InnoTribe financial technology startup conference, which has uh, pitches in like Singapore, London, and New York. And so I'll be in New York next week um, as one of those uh, selected com- semifinalists. So just getting out there, really, and, and then my own network. Um, so that's that. That's a lesson right there. Is that uh, you know this is not easy, and even though you can attain a little bit of success, and and you you have the patent behind you, the effort is just beginning for you. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is exciting. Well, what? So what, where does this where does this industry go? You know, I and uh, you know I, I don't know that there's a clear path here. Maybe maybe there is, but but you're right in the middle of this, and I, and I'd love to know what what kind of trends you're seeing emerge from on the retail side, on the consumer side, and then how do you how do you see this? How do you see mobiles? I don't know payments, not not spreading, but uh, being accepted. What what is it going to take? So start with what, what trends you're seeing out there. Well, some of the big trends that we see are certainly around the, the location-aware uh, applications and obviously all the, you know, the iBeacon and the Beacon um, efforts are significant to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that we have, you know, we integrated with uh, Estimote Beacons uh, at Lux uh, back in January. Um, and I think for lots of different retail applications, that's going to be transforming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the idea that you can have much more contextual awareness and those kind of locations that, and to be able to deliver highly personalized content. And not only just to the person, but to the time of day, to their past buying behavior so that, you know, no longer should you get the, uh, you know, the Chinese food uh, coupon, you know, at like seven in the morning when you're really not thinking about it. It's got to be much more contextual. You don't, so I you think, don't think about Chinese at seven in the morning? You know, most Some, Sometimes of, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. four, yeah. Wow, I wish it was noon. Yes. I've, I've had those conversations. Is it too early to have the leftover egg rolls at nine in the morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. But Sorry. Hey, if that's your context, then you should be getting that. I should be. There you go. Time. So, but that's that's the point. It's It's got to be highly personal. Uh, you know, without, you know, without getting into the creepiness factor. I mean, I think that that's going to be the double-edged sword so that if, uh, if, a, if a app developer or a merchant or a service provider is overdoing the, you know, personalization and a little bit too spammy, yeah. then the person will just turn you off. So I like that it'll be self-regulating that, you know, for that specific app or that specific merchant or whatever. I'll just disable location services, and I I actually do that myself. So it's a good, but it's it's the right check and balance. It because is. It's you in your want, control. Yes, and you want to do it where it's actually going to be. You're helping the uh, the customer find something, discover something, learn about something. You know, and it goes well beyond you know traditional retail. Like I have a I have a friend who's uh, in the you know in the art gallery app space, and you know being able to come close to a painting or a, a sculpture and learning more information about it because of a, of a proximity uh, application. I think that's fantastic and it's going to be enriching to us. So that's a huge, huge trend, that and the, so the location, the personalization, those are, those are really huge. I think on, this, on the mobile payment side, though, of things, uh, I, you know, it's easy to talk about, well, we need ubiquity, we, need it, you know, it's a bit, we have a bit of the chicken and egg, so you need to have it accepted before you get mass consumer adoption. Uh, and, and we just think about two things. One is to find 
and hopefully that the industry starts to cooperate even more together so that there's more cross-platform um, uh, kinds of offerings. And I think, I, actually, I give credit to just one, another Canadian example. Uh, TD Bank recently had uh, an announcement of their mobile wallet, and they are now, it's accepted on all the mobile wireless carriers. So just as an example, I think that's great mm -hmm. because, you know, shoppers, consumers, they don't like being tied in to one device, one carrier, one mobile payment method. That It feels restrictive. So I think that as the industry moves more toward this open ubiquity, um, that's, uh, that's going to be something that's going to encourage uh, the adoption of mobile payments. And then obviously we would say too, it's just the more value that you can give to the consumer, it's all back, you know, it's, it's all back to the consumer. If you can give them more value, like real tangible value, not just like bells and whistles, then you're going to start to see more, uh, more adoption. Um, and certainly uh, one of the reasons that um, in our specific case, our technology is independent, whether it's Android or iOS. And we thought that that was something that was also very important. Uh, that it's, you know you want to be able to switch back and forth. I you know I, I mean I have an iPhone now, but you know maybe my next phone will be a Samsung Galaxy. I, I want to be able to move back and forth, and I don't think my choice of mobile payment should you know dictate which of those devices I'm going to use because I've got to get into a contract. It's crazy to think about it. It would be the equivalent to uh, you know my wallet doesn't work when I'm wearing these jeans. Right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. Right. That 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 idea. And, and you know, I've been to so many presentations about this whole concept of pay payments. And 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 you know, I've heard I've heard the most ludicrous. And I just came back from Amsterdam, in fact, where it was all about uh, mobile payments. Uh, you know, um, I did the keynote there about mobile payments. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and I posited that that perhaps consumers don't want a mobile wallet. There's not a consumer that I know that has put up their hand and said, oh, can I please have a mobile wallet? And can I please have five or six different mobile wallets, please? <laughs> that is exactly what I want. Because right. th that's what, if you looked at the at the people providing this, that's what it would seem that their, that, that's their perception is that, oh yeah, because I heard presentations that said, you know what, consumers are going to have three or four different mobile wallets. And I said, no, 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 no. They don't want any. They just want to pay. Right. And, and so the, the, you're right about that whole concept about being locked in. They're they're not interested. They just want to pay. Mm -hmm. And until you've made it so damn easy for them to do it uh, and and add value, like I can actually check out without checking into a line, that right. that, that is the first. Uh, so, you know, way back to the very beginning of this conversation, that first challenge, where's the pain? Standing in line. What's the pain you solved? For 8% of those people at Lux, you solved that pain for them. That's now right. I wonder how many people come back and start using it without that pain, uh, right. just because they now accept it. And I think that's right. an interesting piece. Mm -hmm. Wow. What about, uh, last thing is, you know, the, the, maybe a bigger trend that I see, and I want to get your opinion on, is this whole idea of, of retail um, no longer focusing, like no longer being the Luddites of the technology industry, right? So right. The retail and, and, and retailers like Jen, maybe becoming technologists. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like Starbucks is the litmus test for me right. in technology and, and the Gap has just put $300 million into augmenting their retail experience in, in mobile and social and, and web and digital. But all of a sudden the retailers are becoming technologists. And, and what do you think that has? What impact do you think that has on, on, uh, oh. on the way we shop? Oh, I think that, that that's, a, that's a huge point. And one of my favorite examples uh, is to talk about Nordstrom. 
Because when I went to business school and I, so many years ago, I mean, they were for a long, long time held up to be the retailer that had the high touch. Nordstrom was all about service, customer service. And how that was deployed historically was through a lot of policies and procedures, but also the people, the way they laid out the store, lots, lots of different ways that they delivered that. But there was a heavy element of that that was personal, physical, you know, individuals helping the customers. Um, and Nordstrom, very early on in our research, came out as one of the most technically savvy retailers out there. So I love that they are one of the retailers that are really embracing technology. You know, they have a, their, they have a great mobile app. You can, at least in Nordstrom, I can check out with the associate in the aisle, which is partway toward what I'd like to be able to do. But mm -hmm. they've invested, they have uh, a great lab internally. They're doing all kinds of things. And this is the company that built their foundation on service. So I just, I love that juxtaposition of that. I think it's, it's really important. And I think retailers are actually scurrying to start to bring on board more and more of technologists and people that have a better kind of digital DNA in them, if you will, and to blend it into the total business. Because right. if you go back about 10 years, you know, when e-commerce was in its early days and really just starting out, well, what did they do? Like any company, they, well, they, well that's going to be a separate division. That's over there. And we'll hire some, you know, technology people just to do e-commerce. But then what, uh, what even the, the largest companies like Walgreens, well, excuse me, Walgreens too, I'm sure, but what Walmart found is that you actually don't want to have those in their individual silos in the organization. You want to cross-pollinate that the technology people and the marketing people back and forth across all the different channels and even kind of getting rid of these sort of uh, false functional barriers between in-store, online, you know, different things like that where you actually want the, the, the talent and the ideas to move more freely across. You know, I, I, I don't know that I could have said it any better. Like, we, we, we see this, and, and, uh, and I was going to end it here, but, you know, then I look at this, um, this Canadian retailer, which we know very well, which is Indigo, or Chapters, right, which is mm. our, our Barnes & Nobles, our, you know, yes. our big bookstore, that has kind of lost its way. It sells plush toys and candles and cookies and chocolates and pens and paper and books and magazines and Kindles and, like, you name it, it sells it, right? And it's become, like, the grocery store for stuff that you couldn't get at the grocery store, but you show up at and an indigo and i don't want to insult anybody here um but i think i probably just did in that whole tirade but the, the thing that that is is alarming to me is that i still believe that those guys are, are very siloed because when you go into their store and this is the experience that they have when you go into their store and you use their app and they promote their app everywhere and they say don't you know don't forget to scan your book at and, and uh, you can buy it online and when you scan your book when it's on the shelf it gives you a 25% discount when you buy it online. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you take that book to the cashier and you say, well, I just want to take this home. It's 25% cheaper on, uh, you know, when I scan it on my app, can you price match? And they say, no. I know. They say no. So that yes. tells me that there's something fundamentally wrong with their entire business model when that right. person says no. Right. So, it's, it's, it's disappointing at best, right? I mean, I'm, how I'm, does that happen I'm today, understating though? it. Well, I think again that lots of it, it, Indigo and lots of retailers have to maybe take a step back uh, and think about the experience going back to the customer experience, the shopper experience, and just literally, it's like a day in the life. Just walk through the experience they're having and think to themselves, how could I make this better? What's gonna What's gonna really help here? 
And just to add, there's one more retailer that um, I just, because of what I do, obviously I'm very attuned to what other retailers are doing. And I find myself in, uh, in the Bay recently, and they have these great new signs, fend- huge, big, giant signs, you know, that if you can't find your, the item that you're looking for in your size or your color, all you have to do, and they even have a big, I think they have an image of a barcode on the, on the sign, just ask an associate. And they will be able to scan that barcode and find the item for you. And I'm, then, have you been in a bay recently? Look around. I'm like, well, if only, I, like, if only I could find an associate. I have a phone in my hand. Please. Why can't I scan it? I so mean, funny. Because they just laid everybody off, right? That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's common sense, and and that point, and maybe we'll leave it there. Is that uh, you know, if you are a retailer and you're listening to this, or if you're in this business and you're listening to this, you're, maybe you're you're Indigo, or maybe you're you're at the Bay, or you know somebody there. Um, literally, go and try to buy a product inside of your store. I don't care if you're the executive, the CEO. Just go and have that customer experience, like uh, you know, like a Gen store at Lux Beauty in, in Edmonton. Go and have that experience, and then. Look at how your processes are doing. And don't lead with your process. Lead with the customer experience. Here, here. Oh. Okay, Wendy, where do we send people to find out more information about you, your products, everything? Okay, so they can find me on Twitter at, at Digital Retail. And they can find my website at digitalretailapps.com. Digitalretailapps.com and at Digital Retail. We've been speaking with Wendy McKinnon Keith, who is the founder of this great thing called Self-Pay. We definitely go and check out, uh, follow her on Twitter, check out her website, and I would love to have you back on, Wendy, if you are, if you're oh, willing I'd love to. to. Yeah, sounds great. Please, please, please. Um, this has been so fascinating. I love this industry. I love what you're doing. Congratulations on the patent. Congratulations you. on your success so far. And Jen, if you are listening, congratulations on opening up your mind and being receptive to this new technology. I can't wait to see what you do for your 15th anniversary. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Wendy, thank you for doing this. Thank you so much. It's been great. You guys who are listening, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thank you for listening. Thank you for participating with Untether.tv. It means a ton. I can't explain it enough in here, but it really does. Thank you for tuning in, staying this long into these episodes. It really means a a lot. Uh, And we will see you next time on Untether.tv. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you.